It's Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. Hello and welcome to a live edition of the Carolina Weather Group. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte. We have Frank Strait in Columbia and Scotty Powell in Morganton, North Carolina. We are live on this Wednesday night, so if you're joining us right now on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, or Twitter, we want to hear from you. Join the conversation, and we'll start by saying hello to Sebastian. We are once again counting down until the launch of Artemis. It's deja vu all over again for NASA's return to the moon and beyond. The mission, as you saw live on the Carolina Weather Group YouTube channel on Monday, was scrubbed due to a variety of reasons, including an engine pressurization problem and weather. And now we're looking ahead to a launch window, the second launch attempt on Saturday at 2.17 p.m. Eastern time. And gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I've been to Florida on a Saturday at 2.17 p.m. Eastern time, and it doesn't always look well when you're looking up at the sky. <laughs> I was just Our in second. Florida. Yeah, I was in Florida last week, and I, and I can tell you about 2 o'clock, not when those thunderstorms pop up, so I'm, right. I'm not too not too confident that this is going to happen Saturday, but we'll see. Yeah, for a second, uh, James, I thought you said, "Well, I've been to the moon." No, no, I've not been to the. Well, Florida's kind of like the moon. <laughs> Space Mountain. Depending right? on which side uh, you're on, it's either way hotter or way colder. Yeah, uh, but there's no humidity. We're going to be watching very closely on Saturday. Those afternoon pop up uh, showers and thunderstorms. There's a whole magnitude right of launch criteria. And we'll maybe pull those up on the screen here in a moment. Uh, the NASA launch criteria for rocket launches uh, from Kennedy Space Center there in the Cape Canaveral. But of course, lightning, lightning is a big, big no, no. Have you guys seen some of these really cool photos and probably scary if you're an engineer of lightning striking very close to Artemis? Because uh, it's been out on the launch pad now for, for over a week. Uh, NASA's put out some of these pictures. We'll pop them up on your screen if you're watching with us. But, you know, they've got at least those three big lightning rods on towers around Launch Complex 39B there. And just look at the way it draws in the lightning. I mean, obviously, it's protective, right? So they're trying to they're trying to deflect away from their rocket. Uh, but absolutely incredible. And uh, I think they did say that a couple of the, the lightning strikes came real close to the rocket. This was before Monday's launch attempt, but everything looked okay in terms of uh, these these lightning strikes. But uh, I'm, I'm fearful that we might see more of these on Saturday before, as the animation shows here, we can get this SLS, this brand new SLS rocket, the biggest ever built, the most powerful ever built, uh, launched into space. Uh, if you've made it this far into the podcast, you probably already know a lot about Artemis, but just as a brief recap, this is an uncrewed. There are no humans on this moonshot mission around the moon that will last somewhere between 30 or 40 some odd days. They're going to be testing not only the technology to get humans, including the first woman and the first person of color onto the moon by the year 2024, but they're also going to be testing whether this technology and the radiation beyond the moon is safe. So they've got mannequins uh, or crash test dummies uh, that are going to be in the new Orion spacecraft. I, I, I love these animations. Uh, and, and Frank, let me start with you because they just, they bring me back. I remember where I was for that last space shuttle mission. There's so many memories of Apollo built into some of these designs. What do you, what do you think about Frank when you, when you look at Artemis? Being a little older than you, James, I remember where I, I was, was trying not to say that space shuttle. But you, you said it for me. 
<laughs> I remember where I was for the first space shuttle mission, and that's what it takes me back to is is watching the uh, first space shuttle uh, lift off back in the early '80s. Uh, if I remember right, it was it happened on a Sunday morning. That was after they had to scrub the first space shuttle mission a few times too for for various reasons. So uh, it it was great to see it finally go, and uh, I let out a cheer, which made my mom mad because she was trying to sleep. What time was it? <laughs> uh, if I remember right, it was like eight thirty in the morning. She she always slept oh, on Mondays. A little a little like Monday's launch window. Um, these uh, next few launch windows are later on in the day, hence the thunderstorm threat. But kind of glad I haven't had to get up. I was going to say at three o'clock in the morning, but I think if it was at three o'clock in the morning, I'd just stay up for Monday's launch attempt. I got up at 5 a.m. Uh, so uh, I like I do like the afternoon ones longer. But uh, Scotty, you just came back from Florida. You were watching Daytona uh, over the weekend, their NASCAR running, and you saw these exact storms. Uh, walk us through a little bit. I, I know Shay's not here. Could you play Shay Gibson for us? What what kicks off these infamous coastal beach thunderstorms that uh, most people who've probably never launched a rocket have at least been to the beach and have been running for cover from the shoreline? Yeah, definitely. It, you know, it's the sea breeze. And basically what happens is the land obviously heats quicker than the ocean. So um, as that happens, it kind of causes this little boundary that that blows in from the cooler ocean into the land. And as that boundary blows in, that that uh, moisture hits warm air, causes rise with thunderstorms. And normally this time of the year, there's not really any steering currents. And I was in, in Florida last week. And what would happen is these storms would kind of just develop as the moisture blows in off the ocean over the land, and they just kind of sit there. They meander. One storm will collapse, kind of like here in the Carolinas where we see yeah. those outflow boundaries. One collapses and another one pops back up, you know, anywhere two, three, four, five miles away. And it's just a continuing cycle until we really start to run out of daylight heating and that 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 heat and, and instability. So uh, that's the concern. These things normally start off, you know, early afternoon after lunch, you know, about one, two o'clock, you start to see the clouds develop and the showers and thunderstorms. And they can last a long time, especially in Florida with no steering currents. Uh, there's really nothing to kind of push that storm out of the area. So it, it kind of has to rain itself out. So that's the concern with the launch at 217. Uh, the, the concern is we could see storms and just like not necessarily a storm at the particular launch site, but like James was showing you earlier, you have to worry about lightning and we know lightning can strike outside of these storms 10, 15 miles away. Uh, so necessarily may not be a storm there at Cape Canaveral. There could be one 10, 15 miles away that's producing a lot of lightning that would also delay this launch. So uh, we were actually talking in our pre-show meeting there on the phone, James, and we were like, why you would think that uh, <laughs> we would know better than shooting a rocket off in the summertime in, in the mid-afternoon. But uh, it has a lot to deal with orbits and, and, and things like that. So hopefully... We'll keep our fingers crossed that uh, that this will be a successful launch. But, you know, yeah, weather tells us that it may not happen uh, just because of the environment uh, of where this is taking place. Now, if this was maybe up in Michigan or, or Maine or something like that, where it's not as hot and not as uh, unstable, you might could get a better chance. But with it being in Florida yes. and, and September, it, it's it's pretty good chance that you can bet on showers and thunderstorms developing in the afternoon. 
Yes, but you'd have to worry about the clouds and the temperatures. That's right. Yeah. And the fog if you're in the other places. And as we're watching the animation play out, we're reminded it's not just about the moment of launch, or in this case, the moment of landing. All of this is happening on an angle. So it's not just the weather straight above Cape Canaveral. It's the weather out east over the Atlantic, uh, which will be contingent on whether or not they can not only get off the pad, but safely get off the planet and into orbit. And it is that time of year, folks, whether you like it or not, where the tropics are about to come back with vengeance. Uh, Frank has been watching as we near this peak of hurricane season, historically, there in early September. And uh, Frank, it looks like right on cue, the game is afoot. Yes, uh, certainly is. Uh, we've been we've had a long stretch of uh, quiet weather here there's nothing's happened since tropical storm colin formed almost right over uh, myrtle beach uh, back in early july it looks as though we're going to end up going two straight months without a development although we do have three amigos out there in the atlantic that we're keeping an eye on right now and the uh, national hurricane center has uh, two uh, code red areas out there on them and uh, for us here in the southeast only one of them i think is a real worry uh, i'll talk about the two that aren't worries first uh, starting with uh, this one up here uh, that's over the uh, northern part of the North Atlantic. We'll switch over to the satellite. And uh, this is it up here. You can see, uh, if you look closely, there's a little bit of a swirl in the low levels. You don't see it as well in the bright clouds, which is which are the thunderstorms largely on the south and east side of that system. But uh, there is a, a, a well-defined area of low pressure there, and the waters are warm enough. It's uh, sort of over the Gulf Stream there. So uh, that's an area to watch for development, and uh, the National Hurricane Center thus has painted that red X on it. Uh, the other area of concern is over the eastern Atlantic, uh, out by Cabo Verde, uh, there's a tropical wave, very high amplitude tropical wave. By that I mean it's really that I mean it's really tall. It, it goes almost all the way to 30 degrees north latitude here. So uh, this is uh, something to keep an eye on. There's a broad turning here. Uh, there's yeah. some thunderstorms associated with it, even though it's in uh, a, a rather dry environment. So uh, this is something we'll keep an eye on, but because it's already so far north, it's probably going to end up wandering around the Atlantic and uh, be a concern only for uh, marine interests out there. Now, the other X, the one that's uh, down here, is one that we are going to have to keep a closer watch on. Uh, robust tropical wave is here. It's uh, roughly along 53 degrees uh, west longitude right now, and it's been very slowly drifting uh, uh, westward here in time and this is also something that has a broad turning motion with it and some thunderstorms are clustered around it it has a much more favorable environment right now and uh, it looks as though that's going to be tracking to the northwest and uh, it has a strong chance to develop as well uh, there are some problems with it though uh, one is that it's kind of surrounded by dry air which is uh, an inhibiting factor but also uh, there's some uh, wind shear that's out ahead of it. Uh, looking at uh, the uh, University of Wisconsin shear graphic here, uh, this is our feature of interest right here. There's not much shear over it at the moment, but the area it's moving into does have some shear. It's 30 to 40 knots in the core of this little uh, subtropical jet that's going across the Caribbean and uh, parts of the uh, uh, tropical and subtropical Atlantic. So this has to move through a bit of a gauntlet here for a while, and that may continue to keep it in check for the short term. But uh, less shear is ahead of it. We expect it's going to be out in here somewhere with this other green area north of the Lesser Antilles in a couple of three days. And uh, when it gets there, it should meet favorable conditions. And uh, there it's going to have a chance to develop. So the question is where it likely goes from there. And you can see where 
they're showing it's going to go. It looks like it's going to go to the northwest and uh, around four or five days from now start to recurve, assuming it does develop in time as we expect it will. Uh, Bermuda is going to have to keep an eye on this. Looks like it's going to, assuming it does develop on schedule, recurve. Uh, before it can get to the East Coast, though. So uh, it's not going to be a direct problem for North and South Carolina unless you might have a beach trip planned next weekend, in which case uh, this uh, potential tropical storm, maybe even hurricane that'll be uh, several hundred miles away, uh, will be churning up the Atlantic and uh, sending some swells uh, into uh, the Carolina coastal areas that will cause rough surf and uh, rough current risk and uh, rough seas too if you plan to be out on the ocean. So that's something to keep in mind uh, as we go through the next several days. And uh, just these three we're watching, but uh, that doesn't mean that we're uh, not going to be worrying about more stuff down the road. Whoops, clicked on the wrong thing. There is another tropical wave that's about to emerge from uh, West Africa. Yeah, you can see a little turning motion here over the Ivory Coast and some thunderstorms associated with that. That'll come off. Uh, into the Atlantic in a couple more days, and that's probably going to be something to keep an eye on too. Thanks, Frank. And uh, this is a good reminder for folks, if you're listening on the audio podcast feed, as we say from time to time, we love you. Uh, if you're looking for the visuals on what Frank just described or any other part of our show, you can click the YouTube link in the description, or this is kind of a cool feature. If you're listening on Spotify, you can actually just swipe on over to the app and watch portions of our episode on video. You can sync between that audio in the background and that video uh, as you need be, depending on what you're doing. Please drive safely if that's what you're doing. Don't try to watch Frank. He'll be here when you're done driving. Uh, Frank, it is that time of year where storms can kind of, as you were showing us in that uh, outlook from the Hurricane Center, do kind of make that hook up along the coast if possible, right? Isn't that one of the the routes, if you will, that we see this time of year? Uh, indeed it is. Uh, we'll, uh, oftentimes, once you get to this time of year, you see uh, the upper-level troughs, southward dips in the jet stream uh, coming into the eastern part of the country as uh, the weather's cooling off. The jet stream starts to uh, sink farther south and uh, oftentimes that's, uh, that's how we get our near misses is we have those troughs yeah. that uh, dig in as we're kind of seeing now over the Eastern part of the country and, uh, steer those tropical systems, uh, through the, uh, alley between, uh, the Carolina coast and Bermuda or out toward Bermuda or even farther out to sea, depending upon the permission position of that trough, or sometimes, uh, the troughs far enough West that, uh, those hurricanes, uh, come right up into the East coast somewhere. And that's when we're in trouble. I think it'll be very interesting to see if we don't get Artemis off the ground this weekend, what that means for future launch attempts with the peak of the hurricane season. Will they have to roll it back, uh, get it off the pad and away from storms? I mean, that's it's it's a possibility. It's all too early to, to really know at this point. No, indeed, you know, if if there's a hurricane heading toward uh, uh, the space coast, then yes, they'll they'll have to take pr protective actions and uh, and move that rocket into a place that's safe. Uh, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully we keep those things away. Hopefully the things stay quiet. But for what it's worth, I, I actually think there's a decent chance they we get the launch off on Saturday. Uh, it's no, no guarantee, of course. It is Florida in early September, but uh, I, I think there's a shot. And if you want to go back to my screen share, I'll show you why. <laughs> Right on cue. All right, uh, here's here's the GFS, and that's actually Friday afternoon here. So let's zip that forward a couple of uh, notches here and go to Saturday morning. Uh, at this point, we have high pressure that's up here somewhere over the uh, coastal part of the northeastern states. Flow around that comes out of the east. So we're going to have an easterly flow coming into Florida. 
that means your sea breeze triggered thunderstorms start along the east coast and uh, relatively early in the day. Uh, not only do we have that uh, surface flow going on at uh, out of the east, but it's going on at that's about 5,000 feet. So the uh, easterly flow there, uh, 2,500 feet. There it is. As a matter of fact, you can see that uh, yeah. little bit of convergence going on there. So uh, what time is that inland, approximately? Uh, yeah, go up to 10,000 feet and uh, you've got the easterly flow going on there as well. So you're just you're pushing uh, east winds uh, through a pretty deep layer in the atmosphere there. Uh, so uh, you're going to be bringing you're going to see some shower activity coming in, no doubt. But they're, they're probably light and spotty and the, the more robust thunderstorms that could cause problems in the afternoon. Hopefully they'll be over the middle and west part of the peninsula uh, by the time you get to that launch window at two in the afternoon. I got you. Okay. So let me see if I'm following this correctly. We're, we're hoping that it'll push enough of that thunderstorm activity inland enough that by the time they get to that 217 launch window, they might be good on the coast. That's what we hope for. Uh, now, yeah. I think there'll be a stray shower or two around, hopefully not a, a deep enough, or robust enough shower that, that causes a problem for the launch. Like I said, I think that'll be around. There'll be some concerns with clouds and, and the other parameters for the launch, too. But my gut feeling is that those thunderstorms will be off to the west, at least that's the way it looks right now. Well, it'll certainly give us something to watch during the two-hour-long launch window. In addition to what's happening with the mechanics, we keep our close eye on the radar. Uh, and it sounds like with Monday's previous launch attempt, if it wasn't for the mechanical issue by the time they kind of got around to it, it was going to be... Precipitation uh, that was going to be their problem. Uh, so we will watch that 2.17 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday is the next launch attempt as of uh, this Wednesday night. And I guess we'll wait to see if there are any changes to that. They, uh, I think, are optimistic that they've got their engines in order. Uh, before we go tonight, Scotty Powell has been looking back at this summer uh kids have gone back to school labor day is upon us august ends in hours from now and i hate to tell this to folks summer's about gone here if you're a meteorologist right scotty that's right meteorological summer ends at 11:59. so gosh what is that less than three hours from now so uh one thing i want to jump on with frank uh he was talking about the tropics uh i saw this stat earlier and i had to scroll back through twitter to find it this is the first time since 1997 that we did not have a named tropical system the month of August. So for pretty impressive, well, that doesn't happen. Yeah, long. that's pretty historic. That's over 20, was that 20 doing math off the top of my head, 24 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty well, significant there. Five so. years, 25. Yeah. So pretty yeah, significant 25. there that, uh, that we've not had anything develop and, you know, we were coming into this year thinking that, uh, and, and by no means is this year over, but uh, we were oh. kind of coming in thinking, man, this could be another heavy hitting tropical season, but um, knock on wood, it's, it's been fairly tame so far. And we'll hope to keep it that way. So, I mean, just looking uh, at my calendar, September, which lies ahead of us, has been the historic home of the peak of hurricane season. And, and just to drop that point home, Hugo, 1989 was September Florence in 2018 was September. Uh, and then even into October, right? Matthew in 2017 Hazel, those were October storms. So, and that 2015, I know Joaquin didn't hit the Carolinas, but it influenced that, that 
uh, fire hose of moisture right. into uh, Charleston and then up into Columbia and Myrtle Beach. So yeah, um, around here, we, we once we get through the month of October, you can kind of start to take that deep breath. I mean, November's still in that hurricane season, but uh, at least by then, um, the the number or named storms that, that affect the Carolinas kind of lessens. So we'll... Um, We'll hope that this this um, calm trend continues, but uh, it's going to be another month or so before we can get out of the woods. So, uh, James, you were talking about fall, so I'm going to screen share here. Thanks to our good friends at the Southeast Climate Center. Um, they always put together a great product here. And this is uh, looking back over uh, from June 1st of 2022 all the way to August 30th. And besides, I think... Um, there was a little bit of rain maybe down in Charleston. Uh, so not all of the data is in for today, but this is through yesterday from June 1st through yesterday. Uh, this is kind of an accumulation map of precipitation um, that has fallen in the Carolinas over uh, the last um, three months or so here for summer. And uh, one thing of interest that really pops off to me, James, we were talking about uh, Charlotte mm -hmm. clocking in at 9.29 inches of rain. But if you go up 45 minutes North of wow. you guys, Hickory almost 20 inches of rain for the month for the uh, the three months of summer. So uh, that was the first like whoa that's interesting. Uh, but <laughs> at if least, you look at least for here, Charlotte the water comes downstream. So at least <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you get <laughs> you get some of the effects. Uh, but you can look along the Carolina coast south of the Outer Banks. Outer Banks only coming in with 12.45. But get down to Moorhead City, Wilmington, Myrtle Beach, down into Charleston, Hilton Head, uh, a good 20 what inches about, or so. You see Anderson, uh, South Carolina. Yeah, Anderson. Yeah, five point four two, and then you go up here real to dry. you go up here to uh, the Highlands, which is one of the wettest spots in the eastern part. Of, you know, twenty three inches. But yeah, five point four two there in Anderson. Uh, we can kind of zoom in here. GSP area anywhere between you know eight to eleven inches of rain. Um, also up into the Raleigh area. You know, this is where this that drought had kind of lingered. Uh, throughout, you know, the first part of summer, at least, uh, still about 10 to 12 inches of rain. So um, it's still kind of dry up there, but yeah. uh, that's kind of a look at the rainfall. We can go over here and look at temperatures and um, we'll go to this max maximum temperatures. I'm sorry, not max mean is what I meant. Mean temperatures. You kind of see uh, about 80 degrees for the month uh, or for the uh for summertime really? and we can look at that and look at the percentage or departure from normal. You can see it's about a one degree to two degree warmer than normal uh, hmm. for the interior parts of the Carolinas. And then you get here along the coastline and it's about even uh, through all of that. And that makes this the 10th warmest summer for Charlotte 11th warmest summer in Hickory, but look down here in Greenville Spartanburg, third and fourth warmest summer uh, for our friends down there in the upstate. Wilmington clocking in in a top five summer, Raleigh clocking in at uh, you know top three wow. warmest summer. So, you know, a lot of people have been saying, man, it's been hot out there. And so the numbers now that you can kind of get that perspective in as we're closing out summertime, you know, the numbers are showing it was a pretty warm summer. Uh, for a lot of fr our friends here in eastern North Carolina and the upstate of South Carolina. So the um, 
it's just a, a neat tool. You guys can view this anytime. You've just uh, put uh, Southeast Regional Climate Center into Google, and uh, you can look up all these cool stats. So I always like looking at this as we kind of average out or clean or, or end out the um, the end of uh, of a, a season, and it kind of gives you a better idea of what the weather looked like. So and uh, I, and I realize we probably should define why we are saying goodbye to summer. It's not just that we're leaning into pumpkin spice lattes early. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's because so, to be consistent, the meteorologically but, summer ends the end of August, regardless of where astronomically it may fall on September 20th, 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Yeah. There's That's like fun. a, tw there's almost a 20 day spread in all of these. So if you look at meteorological winter that encompasses December, January, February, then your spring is March, April, May. Summer is June, July, August. And then fall is September, October, and November uh, for meteor meteorological, um, your meteorological seasons, your astronomical Apple. seasons are, like you said, the 20th or 21st, 22nd of those months too. So it's just a little bit off. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it's been a, a hot and somewhat wet summer, uh, depending on where you live. But uh I know, uh, I know a lot of folks love fall and, uh, they really love that, uh, that, that time that we start to cool off. But as we three know, you don't really get fall here in the Carolinas until mid October. You're still, you you're fall. still, <laughs> yeah, you're still hot in the month of September. The first couple of weeks of October is, is, is warm. And then you finally get those consecutive cold fronts to move in and it finally starts to cool off some. But if you like hot weather or warm weather, you still got about another four or five weeks before uh, you have to start worrying about some of the cooler temperatures. It was only a few years ago when we had hundred degree heat down here in Columbia in early October. You're right. Yeah. I were, uh, it was funny. Um, I was looking back over some stuff. I think it's 2019. The, it was uh, in the mid to upper nineties in Charlotte. In, in all of Western North Carolina, the first week of October. Uh, and then we finally started to cool down. So yeah, like Frank said, you know, we still got another four or five weeks of, of temperatures in the eighties. I wouldn't rule out more nineties, uh, before things really start to cool off in October. So, well, my front yeah. lawn thinks it's fall because take a look at the amount of leaves <laughs> in this photo that have already fallen. And I walked out the door and I was like, I, I, I guess it's fall now. It's so funny when I when we got back from Florida, the same thing happened here and asked the neighbors, was there a storm or something? They're like, no, just the leaves started falling. So yeah, it's it's funny, funny that that's happened. I've actually seen a few yellow leaves as well. So yeah, it's Mother Nature trying to tell you, hey, there's change on the way. So start to yep. get used to it. The it, biggest change I think we've way. all noticed, biggest thing we've all noticed, I think, is the sunset is now. <laughs> Uh, before that. eight o'clock i mean it seems like just a month ago it was nine o'clock and you could still have that dusk but now you know about 8 30 that it's it's completely dark outside and that's uh that's another sign that. of that falls on its way so well uh evan fisher put this together in the years past and brad penovich at wcnc tweeted it yesterday the average peak fall colors this is not a forecast for this year just want to get that straight like if you want to book a hotel room that's on you <laughs> But you can see, of course, it normally starts in the mountains earlier in mid to late October and then rolls down through the foothills into the Piedmont as we make our way closer to the start of November. So whether it'll play out this year, given temperatures and 
rainfall and all of those good things too early to say although i did see somebody tweet at brad the other day to ask for a winter snowfall forecast and that is definitely oh, too early way too early way too early well actually actually to be fair we could probably say this it's going to snow north of 85 and not snow south of 85 know <laughs> <laughs> that 85 is your dividing line if you live north you may be happy if you live south you may not be happy but yeah. uh one thing i wanted to touch up on james before we end um you probably, if you follow us on Twitter, probably seen us tweet this out earlier. And Frank, you may have some some to add to this. But 136 years ago today, a magnitude yep. 7.3 earthquake occurred in Charleston, South Carolina, considered the most powerful earthquake in the eastern part or eastern United States after the large um, after the largest Mississippi earthquake of 1811 and 1812. So back on uh, 136 years ago. Uh, largest earthquake there in Charleston, and Frank, you, you, you can attest to. I'm, I'm not sure if you felt the. Well, well, well. Frank that... was not around 136 no, years no, ago. But just he, to be clear. I'm old, but ain't that old, yo? <laughs> <laughs> he, he, uh, he can attest to. Uh, seems like earthquake central down there in the Columbia area. I mean, it's, uh, it's got to the point where there's an earthquake advisory. I think that was, that was. Um, issued or, or or whatever in fact we're trying to get some folks on the show to talk about that but uh, it kind of ties in with with the recent earthquake activity in Colombia. you know just shows you that there could be some big big earthquakes thankfully the last big one was 136 years ago hopefully we don't have to worry about that anymore but yeah right and really the a, only one yeah and it just shows that, that we're magnitude we're in in that earthquake fault zone area that uh, you know we see a lot of smaller quakes and hopefully we'll never see a seven point three. Right, um, and you know this yeah. is kind of hard to believe, but I went and checked this one time. Uh, the seven point three earthquake that happened in Charleston, if it happened in California, it'd be in the top ten for them. Wow! So wow! Right, it's something to think about. Uh, we, if we can have a big earthquake, now we have no idea what the return period is because it's happened once in our reported history which yeah. is 400 years roughly uh, yeah. so that's uh but does it happen once every 100 years and we've just been lucky does it happen once every four or five hundred years and we're due does it happen once every thousand or ten thousand years and we don't have to worry about it for a while probably again uh, or the or a better way of putting it is the odds are really low of it happening anytime soon uh, yeah. if it's if the return period is once every ten thousand years but we just don't really know so that's why it's best to to stay prepared. Uh, we we get these little rumblers uh, every now and then, and uh, a big one is not unheard of. So it, it's best that you are prepared for disasters in general, and that and that you know what to do in the event that there is a big earthquake. I mean, they happened North Carolina too, Scotty. You remember mm -hmm. it hasn't yep. been that long ago when there was a magnitude Come five earthquake. Uh, yeah, about uh, two Jefferson or something, right? Yeah, about two. I think it was about two years ago. Was it two years ago, James? It was after the pandemic started. Yeah, it was 2020 up in uh, Sparta, 5.3, I believe. Something and like that. And it was that. a 5 something, maybe 5.3, maybe a little bit uh, I got that, it right here. It was a 5.1, at 5 least according points. to our initial report. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and what was it up in Virginia? You know, Jared's talked now, about That was a 5.6, I think. Yeah. So I was, I was living in State College. It, it shook for like 15 seconds in State College yes. with that. So the East Coast is, 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 I don't want to say vulnerable, but East Coast is very, um, very prone well, to seeing some earthquakes from time to time. 
and Frank mentioned the West Coast, right? So it's not not all things are created equal. Uh, a lower magnitude earthquake could actually be felt more significantly here on the East Coast than the West Coast, if I if I recall my earthquake knowledge correctly, because right, of the way our plates are set up. Different. Yeah, it was because the soil type is different. Out in California, it's much more rocky, and it it uh, doesn't transmit the earthquake. Uh, shaking as well as our soft soils. Uh, that being said, uh, over in the uh, uh, middle Mississippi Valley, where they had the New Madrid fault earthquakes years ago, uh, their soil type over there transmits the earthquake waves quite well. So yeah. uh, if they had a big earthquake like that, which they've had before and certainly can happen again, uh, then we'd probably feel that here. A few minutes ago, Scotty mentioned the uh, earthquake advisory that was put out for South Carolina from the USGS following all of these earthquakes emanating largely from the Elgin, South Carolina area. And I just learned a new word uh, reading this advisory. Earthquake swarm refers to a prolonged sequence of earthquakes that lacks any clear primary event or main shock, right? Because there's a, there's been concern that these are foreshocks to something to come. And the USGS is saying, no, no, it seems just to be a swarm. Uh, as we've been talking about, earthquakes can happen in the Carolinas, although it's unusual that they're happening in this frequency. Uh, the largest that we've seen uh, since December 27th, 2021, when this all began, was a 3.6 magnitude earthquake, which happened on June 29th. We've also mentioned some of the other earthquakes, the Charleston one obviously being the largest, but uh, some other big ones over the last 100 years or so included in 1913 in Union County, North Carolina, a magnitude 5.5 earthquake. At least I think that's North Carolina. It could have been South Carolina, but I seem to recall that being North Carolina, as Frank goes to fact check me, because this doesn't specify. <laughs> uh, that quake caused damage to bricks and stone buildings, destroyed chimneys and destroyed furniture and homes. The most damaging earthquake, as we mentioned, in South Carolina history was that magnitude uh, 7.0 earthquake in 1886 in Charleston. Um, maybe this was Union County, South Carolina, since this whole paragraph seems to be about South Carolina. Um, but uh, that's, a, you know, another call of what we have seen historically earthquake wise in the, in the Carolinas. Right. Yeah. There was another one over it. If I recall correctly, Aiken County, that was a four point something about 20 years ago. I can't remember exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, we will keep a close eye on the rumblings. We will keep a close eye on the tropics. We will keep a close eye on Artemis. Subscribe to our YouTube channel or our audio podcast feed, wherever it is you'd like to uh, connect with us. We've been uploading audio extras uh, as NASA's been providing updates on the launch. So you can watch those on our YouTube channel or you can listen to the audio, listen to those teleconferences. All over the we are science nerds at heart, and there's so much weather that goes into these launches that we just can't take our eyes off of it. Uh, Frank and Scotty, it's always good to see you guys, and uh, uh, happy meteorological fall. Yeah, have a great Labor Day, y'all. Be safe. We'll talk fall to you again. start for another month here. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you again real soon from the Carolina Weather Group.